0: Well, we're in a a wonderful series, and that series is over the life of Daniel, the great prophet. And uh, we've been talking about what it means to be a person who is unshakable. Unshakable in our faith, unshakable in the foundation of who we are, unshakable in all things that we can do through God. So let me ask you a question this morning as we get started. What do you do when others are after you to conform to what they want you to conform to. You know, one of the, the most difficult things that we can do is, is how will we conform in things. In fact, uh, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer. I want you to write and think about this statement for a second, and here it is. And that is, before every blessing, expect that God might give a testing. Before every blessing, expect that that there will be a testing. As God is is calling you, as God is calling me, as God wants to use us in a powerful way for uh, God's kingdom's glory here on earth and, and paving the way into the heavens, God oftentimes will test us to see are we ready and are we capable, but more importantly, are we trusting and faithful to accomplish that which he is asking us to do. The writer of Proverbs says this, says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord, the Lord tests what? The heart. God looks at our heart, and that is where the test comes, that God is looking within us to see what our heart is. What are the kinds of things that God tests us with? God tests us with issues of character. God tests us about generosity and loyalty. God tests us on items of faithfulness. God tests us in areas of honesty and integrity. God is constantly testing us to see where we are. And we're gonna be looking uh, this week and the next six weeks after this, we're gonna be looking at the life of Daniel. Daniel is one of the prophetic books that's in our, in our Bible. Um, I wanna encourage you, if you're not aware of the story of Daniel, it's in the Old Testament, go look it up this week and start reading. We're gonna be in chapters uh, one today as we move forward and as we go forward in this series, we'll have completed the book of Daniel. But it's an important and it's a powerful book. Well, I think that uh, you might agree with me that for most of us, the greatest pressures that we have in life and trying to, and being tested to conform is with our social pressures. The world is constantly testing us. Would you agree with that? The world is constantly enticing and throwing things our way and asking us to buy into. Whether it's your boss, whether it's the government, whether it's the IRS, whether it's uh, some uh, influencer in our community, we are constantly being influenced For that. And the way that we get influenced oftentimes tests our consciousness. It tests our conscious nature. It tests us to the very core, the values that we hold, the foundation of where we are. And we are oftentimes tested. And the question becomes how will we respond when we are asked to conform to things that maybe aren't that which we should conform? We learned last week how King Nebuchadnezzar, the great Babylonian king, had gone in and ransacked Jerusalem and had taken 25% of their population, predominantly males in their teenage years, and had taken and placed them into a three-year period of indoctrination. And during that time, Nebuchadnezzar was erasing methodically everything that there was about the identity of these young men. He was taking away their faith. He was taking away their identity. He was taking away their culture. In fact, he took away their Hebrew names and he named them after pagan gods and he was wiping away everything and he was doing his best to brainwash them. They were learning a new language. They were learning a new life. And then all of a sudden he came in and said, I'm going to teach you how to eat differently as well. And you can imagine for a Hebrew, that was a huge test because our Jewish friends, God had placed them and said, I'm going to set you apart. And part of that being set apart is I'm going to teach you how to eat. And we call those kosher laws today. And God said that this is how you shall be set apart and the things you shall do and the things that you shall eat and the way in which you will diet. So we're going to pick up in David's story, or Daniel's story this morning. on on where Nebuchadnezzar is indoctrinating these young boys, Daniel being one of them, into this culture of the Babylonians. It says the king ordered that the young men, the young men that had been placed into his program, that they should eat the same food and wine served at the king's table for where they were being trained. They were going to get the best of the best, and they were going to do this for three years. It says, after that, they be, were to become servants of the king of Babylon. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself by eating the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official, this would be the chief of staff of the palace, Daniel asked him for permission not to defile himself in this way. The word defile in the Old English means not to pollute, not to corrupt. It means uh, to have a loss of purity when we defile ourselves. We're no longer pure. So Daniel is saying to this organization of Babylon, he's saying, you are corrupting me, you are defiling me, and I will not be defiled in this way. So when we think about this for a second, Daniel is 15 years old. I mean, what would possess this 15-year-old boy to stand up to the most powerful king of the world at that particular time, Nebuchadnezzar? What would it be? That would make him defy the king himself there's a couple of reasons and the first one is is a health reason the king's food was not good food at all in fact it was it was heavy with sauces and 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 lots of sugars and things and it was not a healthy diet and and david or daniel said that that it wouldn't be healthy to eat that kind of food he also said he didn't want to do it because there was a cultural reason the cultural reason, the national reason. And that's the kosher laws that I told you about, that God said that that there are certain foods that that were to be uh, forbidden as far as the Jews were concerned. And God said, eat these foods that I have prepared and things that I will give to you. The Apostle Paul gave a warning in, in part of his message uh, to Timothy. Paul writes this. He says, False teachers will order people to abstain from certain foods which God created to be re- received with thanksgiving. For everything God created is good, and we need to remember this, everything that God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the Word of God in prayer. So God said, if I've made it, you can eat it. So don't be indulging yourself in the stuff that man is throwing you. God said, if I didn't make the food, then don't eat it. I have to tell you, I was um, sharing with Patty a little bit about where the direction of the message was headed this week, and it literally broke her heart when I had to remind her that. I said, sweetie, if God made it, then it's good. If God didn't make it, it's not good. I said, so your Twinkies, they're just not cutting it. You know, you can't eat Twinkies. And I said, especially if you read the ingredients on the back, if there's 50 ingredients that you can't pronounce or you don't know from where it comes, that that's not good either. In fact, the old saying was, if, if God made it and it comes from a plant, it's good. But if it's made in a plant, it's probably not good. <laughs> Here's a third reason, a third reason. And that's a big one. It's a, it's a spiritual attack that when the king ordered Daniel to do this, it was a spiritual attack on the identity of Daniel. It's another attempt to reprogram. And here we find that Daniel resolves himself not to succumb to what King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian culture is calling him to do. He digs in his heels, and we see that that many times in the story of Daniel that he passes the tests that God gives him. There are several tests that Daniel gets inside of this book that we read about him. And here is the first one where he passes that test. And the reason he passes that test is that Daniel has adopted specific character qualities and those are the same character qualities that you and I should adopt in our lives as well. What are they? If you're taking notes today, let me encourage you just to write this. There's a place in the bulletin that you can do that or, or take notes on your phone. Whatever is the easiest way, this is important stuff. The character qualities that make us be able to stand up in those tough times. Here's the first one. Daniel never forgot who he was. He never forgot who he was. Now, think about that for a second. How often have you been in circles of people? How long, how often have you been in places of influence with others? And all of a sudden, the values that you maintained, the person that you were created to be, you start seeing that shift because the values of whatever group you're in is starting to change who you are. Daniel said, I'm not going to change who I am. He said to the king, you can change my clothing, you can change my language, you can change my food, but you cannot change my heart. My heart belongs to the one true God. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, don't conform yourself to the values of this world, but instead let God transform you by a complete change in how you think. Then you'll be able to know the perfect will of God. How do we know what God's will is for our life? We have to be in Christ. When we are in Christ, when we're following Christ, when Christ is our foundation, then we know what the will of God is. So each of us, we have a choice every day in our life. And that is a choice to be conformed by the world or transformed in God. And that's the two lanes that we negotiate and navigate every single day of our life. Conformity means whatever the world says, whatever the world broadcasts, whatever the world entices you to do, whatever the world commands, conformity says that you will look like the world, you will smell like the world, you will taste like the world, you will be the world. But transform means it's not based upon worldly values. It's based upon scriptural principles. It's based upon the kingdom of God. Here's the second piece of character that Daniel um, held up with uh, that we see here. He says that that he controlled his ego and his appetite. It says that Daniel made up his mind, I'm not going to defile myself with the food that the king has called me to do. Now think about it. If you were Daniel, you're a 15-year-old kid. All right, so you're a 15-year-old kid. You've been taken away from your parents. You'll never see them again. You've been taken into a foreign land. You're gonna be held captive there. We know in Daniel's case for 70 years. And the leader of this nation comes to you and says, I'm gonna make you special I'm going to make you great. In fact, leave behind everything that you know and come and be a part of my palace. Eat the food that I get to eat. Be a part of my chosen. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you everything that you want, all your pleasures, your desires, everything that could possibly be a want in your life. I'm going to give all of that to you if you will just do what I have to say. Can you imagine a 15-year-old? Could, could you put that down? How many of you are, that are maybe 65 or 75 could put down that kind of offer? That's the kind of offer that is enticing, and that's the offer that Daniel was given. Not only just Daniel, but a couple of other of his friends. They were given this offer to conform to what society said. But Daniel looks at the great King Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel says that that I'm I'm only gonna serve you because God has commanded me to do this. I'm not serving you because you're my king but I'm serving you because God has placed you in my life at this time to be my boss, my earthly boss. But I'm going to maintain my values of God himself. So no matter what you say, King, no matter what you do, I'm not going to buy into everything that you say. But for whatever the reason, but for whatever the purpose, God has asked me to be in part of your life right now, and I will. And Daniel began to see his life changed because he followed God's lead. Paul writes, don't let any part of your body, Paul says, don't let it be your eyes or your hands or your, or your legs or your heart or whatever it is. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness used for sinning. But instead, Paul says, give your life completely to what? Give your life completely to God. He says, give your life to God because you want to be a tool in the hands of God used for God's good purposes. We're not to venerate, we're not to be excited about, we're not to go chase after the world venerating us. We're not to go chase after what the world promises to be our goodness. We are to be in line and to allow ourselves to be used by God and to be sacrificial in that nature. This was a decision that just blows my mind, that, that Daniel is a teenager. He sees this. How many 15-year-olds would see this? I don't know that, that maybe I would see that as 35. <laughs> just see, making sure you're listening. Making sure you're listening. You know, Daniel says, I want to be transformed by God. Here's the third character quality of Daniel. Daniel had courage, which means that he was willing to stand alone. Daniel knew that the decisions that he, were, he was making were his alone, and he knew that he would come under fire by the king and the king's court and others, but Daniel had resolved himself that no matter where he was pressed or what would happen, that he would stand his ground it took a great amount of courage for Daniel to stand up to the world's most popular and or the world's most um, uh, powerful leader and to look him in the eye and say, your food stinks. It's not any good. Why would I want to eat that? But what it made it even more difficult was that Daniel and three of his friends, they resolved together to stay together in the midst of this battle. And they forcefully went before the king, or they went before the king, I should say, and they shared that they were going to be the servants of God. You see, imagine for a second, 25% of the nation of Israel, so there were lots of thousands of people, had been taken off into the captivity of Babylon. And Daniel and his three friends were just a few of those. But can you imagine how everyone else was doing what the king said? Everyone else was following with what culture said socially, what culture was inviting. They were just going along with it. Why not? We can have the best of the best. We didn't have this at home. I can now experience the kinds of things that I couldn't in my homeland, and they did that. And Daniel and his three friends say to the king, just because you tell us we can, we're not going to. Just because everyone else is doing this, we're not going to. Did you ever use that on your parents when you are growing up? Well, Mom and Dad, everybody else is doing it. You know, I never did, but my three brothers did. But, you know, so Mom and Dad, if you're watching, sorry about that. But uh, so anyway, so, so we see the significance of this. Paul says that we are to transform our mind. The writer of Exodus comes back and says, never follow the crowd in doing wrong. And don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. Did you catch that? Don't, be, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. So if you know it's wrong, don't do it. And don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. If you know it's wrong and the majority is saying, but we gotta do this, and you know it's not right, then be like Daniel. Stand up. Even if it means you do it alone and you're there by yourself. How many times have you ever been at the um, office or at school or uh, places that you might hang out and, and somebody starts a conversation and what they're saying isn't really the truth, or let's just say it isn't the truth? It's not even anywhere near the truth, but, but they're just kind of going and all of a sudden all the heads are, are bobbing like, yeah, in agreement with everything else, and you know that it's not true. Do you just sit there and conform? Do you just sit there and go like, oh, well, yeah, well, that person, hey, they're kind of connected, so if they're saying it, it might be true, must be true. Or if you know it's not the truth, do you engage that? Or do you just allow that destructive behavior to happen? This is what Daniel does. Daniel did what Paul says. Paul says, stand true to what you believe, be courageous, and be strong. Don't let it get away with that. Here's the fourth piece of character that we learn from Daniel. Humility is always tactful with authority. Humility is always tactful with authority. When when he couldn't get the authority when he couldn't do what the authority asked him to do, Daniel came up with a different game plan. And Daniel began to say, listen, you know, it's against my values, it's against my principles, I I can't do what you're asking me to do. But he didn't do it in a a way that was degrading the authority that was over him. Daniel actually found a way to communicate with the ones that were in authority over him. Here's how he did it. Listen to what it says in the book of Daniel. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official, again, that's the chief of staff of the palace, he asked the person in charge for permission to eat other things instead. So the official is saying, the king said, you will eat this, you will do this, and Daniel's like, I can't, um, can I just do something else? He's very respectful He asked for permission not to do this. Would you please allow me to do something different? Now God, the word says, had given the chief official great respect for Daniel. But he said, the official, here's what the official said. He said, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who ordered that you eat his food and wine. And if you aren't as healthy as the others, then I fear that the king will have me beheaded. there's ever a reason to not want to do what you're told, you're going to be beheaded then yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of pressure, isn't it? But look what happens here. The, the officer said, really, he said, it really doesn't matter to me what you eat. The king's not going to know it. All he knows is after three years when he examines you with everyone else that, that you, you've got to be healthy. And if you're not healthy, I lose my head, I'm done. And so Daniel begins to bargain with this official. So next, Daniel talked it over with the guard appointed to look after him and his three friends. Notice it says that he talks it over. Notice he's not making demands, he's not making a sign, he's not picketing in front of the courthouse. He's not digging his heels in, he's having a conversation. And the scripture says that that Daniel offered a suggestion. Offers a suggestion, is that not humility? Let me offer a suggestion. He still respects that there's an authority over him, but let me just offer a suggestion. Not, it's got to be this way. He just offers a suggestion. Just test us for 10 days on a diet, not the king's diet, but a diet of vegetables and water. Just give us fresh vegetables and water. And and after 10 days, if we don't look any better, if we look like we're like dying or whatever, then we'll agree to do whatever you want to do. He says, then see how healthy we look compared to the young man eating the king's food. And then you can decide. So he gives the authority back to the person who has the authority. and says, it ultimately will be your decision. But here's an alternative I want you to consider. Will you allow us to do this? So it says, after the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished than any of the others in the king's training program. So after that, the guard let them eat their own food. And when the three-year training program was completed, all the young men were brought to King Nebuchadnezzar who talked with each one of them individually, the scripture says. None impressed the king as much as Daniel and his three friends. So they were each promoted to positions in the king's service. Do you see what's going on here? Let, let, let's pause for a second, okay? Let, let's focus in on what's really happening. You know, it's how Daniel is acting and how Daniel is dealing with authority, how, how Daniel is negotiating. And he's not being belligerent. He's not being a, you know what? He's, he, is, he is engaging in conversation. So he's making an appeal So let me teach you this morning how to make an appeal in the biblical way. Not the way the world teaches us, but how do you make an appeal in the biblical way? First is, be humble. Be humble and not belligerent. Attitude determines acceptance. Your attitude, my attitude, when we are confrontational, We are not the people that God wants us to be as we deal with others. Daniel doesn't say, I'm I'm not going to eat it, and then he goes and tries to to gather people around that believe in what he's trying to say just to make himself look better and and to have a bigger voice than he really does. But Daniel is humble. And Daniel says, it's important that I look you in the eye and that we have a conversation. Listen to what um, the writer of Proverbs says. It says, when you stand before the king, and the king would be any person who has authority over you, when you stand before the king, don't try to impress him and pretend to be important. Folks, threats never work. They don't. Strong-arming never works. Be humble or you'll stumble. Remember that. Be humble or you'll stumble. Develop a reputation for being responsible. Here's the second thing that that we learned from Daniel that I wanna teach you on how to make an appeal to authority. Don't be deceptive and don't be manipulative. Don't be deceptive or manipulative. When when you've got a case to make with someone with authority over you, don't use deceptive techniques. Don't go behind the scenes, don't go have meetings in rooms, don't go make phone calls or send uh, emails, don't go build this coalition of things. Paul says that's not how we're supposed to do it as followers of Jesus. In fact, Paul says we reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We reject all shameful and underhanded methods. In other words, don't do office politics. Don't do the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. Paul says we reject all of that. That is not the way. He says we do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the word of god i mean this is that's that's the definition of integrity we're not going to distort the word of god paul says we tell the truth before god and all who are honest know that god will honor your honesty if you're honest even if you disagree if you're honest and you do it the right way god will honor that and i trust and trust me the leader in which you're speaking to, or I'm speaking to, or we are speaking to, they will honor that too. They will hear what we have to say. Here's the third thing we learned from Daniel. Appeal to the leader's goals and the leader's interests. Appeal to someone else's goals, someone else's interests. Start with the things that are important to them. When you're husbands, when we're talking to our wives, wives, when we're talking to our husbands, when we're talking to our spouses, we should never enter those conversations solely pointing out what's important to us. We should come alongside our loved one and see what is of most value and importance to them. And then that's where we start as we move forward. That's exactly what Daniel did. Daniel said, listen, I think we have the same goal. The king wants us to be healthy. I want to be healthy. My friends want to be healthy. But, but how to get there, we just have a different perspective. We have different ways in which to accomplish. So we have the same goal, but how we get to the goal is different. You want us, and the king says we have to eat his food, and we have to drink his wine, and we have to do it his way. But you know what? We think we can do it better and accomplish the same goal. So it's a win-win. Because if the goal is that we're, that we're healthy, isn't that what we're after? So it doesn't matter how we get there. It's just that we get there together. And he talks this over. And that's where he goes through this whole 10-day test. And he says, if it doesn't work after 10 days, then you can decide whatever it is you want us to do, and we'll do that. Not to get political, but I'm going to get political. Political. I wish that we would handle politics that way. That as Christians, we would see that that is the right way to handle politics. That, that, that it's not about getting our way. It's not about pressing someone up against the wall. It's not about rattling swords. It's not about trying to lift up the sense of antagonistic behavior. But it's trying to get to the same goal together, even if we think there's a different plan. It's not the plan It's the goal, and that's where we need to agree. Here's the fourth one. Choose the right place and choose the right words. Choose the right place and the right words. Where's the right place? It's private. You don't go lambast somebody publicly. You don't go try to like, I'll show them, let me me give them one, let me embarrass them in front of everybody else. You know what, you don't like that, I don't like that, none of us would like that, right? In fact, how many times when someone has tried to embarrass you publicly or someone has tried to you know, um, knock you down publicly by making you look lesser than you are, what do you do? Do you just give it? No, if you're the one <laughs> under attack, what do you do? You dig in your heels, don't you? You wanna get back, you wanna clear the air, you wanna make sure that you look bigger than they. So Daniel reminds us that we need to choose the right place and the right words. It means that we should confront one another pleasantly, politely, and privately. Listen here what Proverbs says. A wise, mature person is known for his or her understanding. The more pleasant his words or her words, the more persuasive they are. Folks, if you want to shoot arrows at somebody, make sure you dip them in honey first. And catch more bees with honey than you can with vinegar, right? So we need to do this the right way. Here's the last one. Trust God, even if those in authority or those that you're making the appeal, if they reject your appeal, trust God anyway. Just because you or I think that something is important in the right way when we make that appeal to someone who has decisions over us, if they don't agree with us, that is not permission to go and to start trying to tear them down in a different way because we have to remember what the scriptures teach us. Paul wrote it this way. Paul says, and we know that in all things, all things, say the word all, that in all things, not some things, not in one or two things, but in all things, we know that God works for the good of those who love God according to his purpose. So what does that mean? It means not every person that you meet will be good. It means not every leader that you have over you will be the right leader. It means that there will be things in this world that will be perplexing. It means that no matter what comes after us from society and the goals and objectives that society is trying to conform us into, all of those things can happen. It means that there will be sometimes that those things will happen in our life. But we have to trust that even when they do, that God will take that which we think is bad and horrible and perplexing, that God will somehow find something good and that out of that good, God will be glorified. Amen?